0: What is up my friends and fellow busy bees? So here's a little something about me. I absolutely love scrolling on TikTok and I probably do it like way more than I should. A lot of time spent on that app. But one of the great things is that you can learn so many new things in such a short amount of time on TikTok so long as you've trained your algorithm to not show you the bullshit. And I've learned so many new things since I got on there back around like 2020, maybe early 2020, I don't know. And one of my guilty pleasure style of videos is the life hack videos. Cleaning life hacks, cooking life hacks, fashion life hacks, organization life hacks, home decor tips, the list goes on and on. And then it kind of makes you feel like your time hasn't been a total waste since you've been scrolling because you're actually learning some pretty useful shit, you know? It's perfect. So in the spirit of life hacks, today I wanted to bring you some quick wins by letting you know about five furniture flipping tips and tricks that you can take with you into your week and know that your time here today wasn't wasted. Whenever I'm using one of these hacks or I think of one as I go about my day, I like to add them to an ongoing list that I have. To use as inspiration to make content for Instagram or TikTok, and I thought bringing some of them to you here on the podcast would be a good idea, where I can provide a little more context and describe them more in depth. Thought it would be fun. So if you like this style of episode in comparison to the longer ones that are a little bit more of a deep dive in on one topic, let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram at Mel It Herself, or shoot me an email. It's Mel at because I'm sure I could whip up a few of these bad boys every now and then if I hear that you guys like them. My first tip has to do with planning out your projects. For those of you who are visual learners, listen up. There's times when I really want to be able to see what a design would look like on a piece before I get started on it, so that I can know that it will look well-balanced and flow nicely on the piece before I actually do it, because it's a huge bummer to do a bunch of work on the piece and get it nearly complete, only to then look at it and realize something about it just looks a little bit off. There's definitely more complex softwares out there like Photoshop that you could pay for and learn how to use to get more realistic mock-ups done up. I've also used Canva in the past, but I picked this tip up, I'm pretty sure, from my local furniture flipping friend, Michelle from La Forest Living, and it works great for me. You just take your before photo of the piece and then open up your Instagram stories and import the photo there. Then grab a paint swatch or a stain color off of the website of the brand that you're using or multiple swatches if you're doing a more complex design and bring those into the same Instagram story. You can also bring in hardware and other decorative accents if you have photos of those, just to kind of put it together in a mood board style. And then you click draw. I think there's like three dots in the top right corner and you can save it or draw. Hit draw and then use the paint dropper function to snag the paint or stain color that you have the swatch of. And then you can draw over the sections that you're thinking of using that color on on the before photo. It's definitely a little bit more messy of a mock-up, especially if you're using your phone and you're working on such a tiny screen. However, I do find that it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly when something looks a little bit weird in a design, so it does the trick for me. For furniture flipping life hack number two, let's talk bleed-through. If you happen to miss it, I have previously done a full episode dedicated to discussing what bleed-through is, why it happens, how you can prevent it, and how I would recommend addressing it if you discover it in your makeover. So if you'd like to go back and check that out for a more detailed run-through, that was episode 35. However, I did fail to mention this handy tip in that episode, which is a sneaky way to deal with super pesky bleed-through on a piece use black spray paint to spot treat it and stop the bleed through from happening. Now I probably wouldn't recommend this in lieu of priming your entire piece and maybe not if you're planning on painting the the piece a really stark white just because it would probably take quite a few layers of primer and paint following the spray paint to mask that spot to make it look flawless and even across the piece. However, if you're working on a piece and find that there's just some little spots that, for whatever the reason, keep pushing past that primer, try this. Grab a can of black spray paint, if it's one that's a primer, probably works better, and just spot treat those areas. Then let it dry thoroughly. You might want to give it two coats if you want to be super safe. And then once it's fully dried, go back in with your primer all over that section and let it sit. Ideally, the bleed through will be gone. You're welcome and good luck. And if you're someone who really loves hearing about these helpful hacks and creative tips for your furniture flips, as well as love seeing pretty painted pieces and rad refinished relics, I highly recommend signing up for my Friday Furniture Focus newsletter. I send it out every week, jam-packed with furniture facts, furniture fixes, share whose pieces I'm furniture fangirling over, introduce you to furniture artists and their businesses so that you can get to know more about them and their work, and so much more. So if you'd like to sign up, you can click the link in the show notes or head to meldeditherself.ca and keep an eye on your inbox for all that great stuff. My third tip for your furniture makeovers is for those of you who are like me and find it so annoying to have to drill new hardware holes on your pieces after filling the pre-existing holes because doing the proper math to get them perfectly aligned, level, and centered just seems like rocket science sometimes for some reason. I actually did pretty well in math in school, but for whatever the reason, either I lost the knack or I just make it way more complicated than it needs to be when I'm trying to figure out where to drill the holes and then typically start second guessing myself. If this rings true for you too, you need to get yourself a cabinet hardware jig. I have one from Craig that I got at Home Depot. It was $35 and it was worth every single penny for me, just for how much easier and quicker it is to determine where to drill the holes. I've done a reel on Instagram before about how to do this, so you can go there if you want to see a visual representation of what to do. But essentially, you just adjust the bolts on the jig to the distance that you want the holes to be from one another, find the center point of the dresser or drawer or whatever you're trying to put the holes in, and find the center lengthwise and widthwise, then adjust the jig so that the center of it aligns with that spot, and then mark your holes. So quick and so simple. 10 out of 10 recommend. It has saved me so much time and frustration. For furniture flipping life hack number four, let's talk about hand sanding. Now, I have spent many an hour hand sanding the edges of furniture pieces, trying to get them stripped back to the bare finish. It is a great workout, and sometimes you can really get into the groove and deep dive into a really great playlist or a podcast while you're plugging away at it, and time seems to just fly by. But other times, and kind of more often. I'm sweating, I'm effectively sanding off my fingertips and cursing it, wishing it would just end and that that finish would get the fuck off. Does that sound about right? Well, you can officially save your fingerprints and save your agony because I have found a product that helps to get all of those curved edges off quickly and easily. There's definitely an option to use a foam pad on an electric sander, which is something that I do do with the ones that I get from Surf Prep Sanding. Or what I have been using recently that really speeds up the process to get most of the finish off before I finish it off with those foam pads or even just hand sanding lightly is my contour scraper set that I picked up. It has six interchangeable blades, or I guess three blades that are double-sided with different edges, so you can fit it to so many different shapes and sizes of edges and little intricate details, whether they're concave, convex, short, long, flat, you name it super handy to be able to just scrape the finish off and then be able to quickly finish it off on the surface with sanding it. So it just gives you a really great surface to stain or add whatever finish that you have planned. I will link the one that I use in the show notes if anyone is interested in checking it out. It's not something that I've heard people talk about as often. I hear people talking about the carbide scrapers in general for like bigger finishes but this is great for the details. The fifth furniture makeover hack i have is for those wood furniture pieces that you pick up that are actually in pretty great condition for how old they are but they're just looking a little bit dull and worn and perhaps there's some life surface level scratches on it instead of having to completely strip or scrape or sand the piece down and then stain it and apply a finish to it which sounds pretty quick and painless but as you can probably imagine can take days to accomplish you can try out a product from Howard's called Restore-A-Finish. I talked about this on my social media before, but it's just such a handy product. I love it so much. You just apply it to the existing finish. I use a shop towel to apply it, and it penetrates and restores the finish, making it look moisturized, removing any of those scuffs and surface marks, and it makes it essentially look good as new if you have deeper scratches it obviously isn't magic so you'll have to address those but for pieces that are just looking for a little oomph it is pretty amazing for how quick and easy it is now you might want to do some research especially if you're working on an antique because if you want to eventually refinish that piece again basically the dye that it uses can kind of seep into those scratches or crevices and make that annoying when you go to refinish it eventually. So do some research on it before you use it. But if it's just a piece that you're trying to give it a little zhuzhing, uh, I found it to be really effective. Also, if you have pieces that maybe there's damage on the top or on some of the drawers or something and so you're going to repair and paint those but the rest you want to leave wood and it looks great as is that might be a great option to just add the restore finish onto that wood give it some new life and then you don't have to do the full refinishing of that piece if you're looking for a quick flip. Howard's Restore Finish comes in nine colors and finishes. They have neutral, maple pine, golden oak, cherry, walnut, mahogany, dark walnut, dark oak, and ebony brown. So it's really easy to find one that closely matches the finish that you're trying to restore. Such a great easy hack to have in your tool belt. Two thumbs up for Howard's Restore Finish. And something you may not know about me, I love little motivational messages. They get me fired up, I keep a running list of ones that are catchy and speak to me in the notes app on my phone, and I end every podcast episode with one that I've noted down over the years because I want you to leave our time here each week feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to take on whatever comes your way this week. So this week's Mel's motivational message is, don't be afraid to be seen trying. I know for me personally, and especially in this business and the reach and the success that I've had in it, the only time that big things have happened or I've had big progressions is when I've tried out something that I wasn't really comfortable with, that the thought of made me want to kind of like projectile vomit a little bit. And I pushed myself past that point and was like, you know what, I don't feel like I'm ready for this, but I'm going to try it anyways. I force myself to not be afraid to be seen trying. And once you do it that first time, whatever the thing is, it gets so much more comfortable the next time that you tackle that thing. So it really is the most effective way to develop and grow, in my opinion. And you really just can't harp on thinking about other people's perceptions of you and their thoughts of you, and you know what they may or may not be saying behind your back or behind closed doors. I think so often we can stop ourselves from taking those risks and pushing ourselves past our comfort zones because we're worried about those kinds of things and people's perceptions or what are the people that knew me in high school gonna say if I post something on Instagram or something? But at the end of the day, I just wanna encourage you to not focus your time and attention and efforts on those people because ultimately they're not your people. They're not the people that you want to spend your precious time on. They are not supporting you. They are not promoting you. They are not encouraging you. So they have no business being in your brain or having any decision in your business or other decision making that you're doing in your life. So don't be afraid to be seen trying. Do something that's a little bit past your comfort zone and just wait and see the rewards that come from it. And that will be the best validation and reinforcement that you've made the right decision in pushing yourself. Because if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same results that you've been getting unless you get some really lucky break and you win the lottery. So get a little bit uncomfortable and don't be afraid to be seen trying this week, busy bees. All right, that's it for now. I appreciate your time and I will catch you guys next week.